This morning's reading from the scripture needs very little introduction. It is Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. It is page 1549, if you're following along in the Pew Bibles. You know what you came to hear this morning. Allow me to simply remind you what we've been pondering together during Lent. Violence will never fix violence. We cannot just change the rulers. We have to change the rules. We can make this world different by releasing some of our comfort, safety, and power. Christianity is a way of life that leads to action. Following Jesus is not about what we think, but about how we live. And resurrection is the final piece of that. The author of the book of Matthew wants his audience to really get how important this moment is, so he packs in as much drama as he can. An earthquake, an angel who rolls away a stone, big burly military men fainting in fear, an angelic invitation to fear not, and a proclamation of the significance of Jesus just like we had at his birth. To prove that the message of the gospel is for all and that it will turn the world upside down, the good news is given to the first women preachers. (laughs) And it doesn't matter that their testimony would not have been accepted in a court because the resurrection is not something that we prove. It is something that we trust. And the best way to spread the good news is through our relationships. When we tell our own story, when we speak our own truth, anyone can preach. So let us listen now in the reading of scripture for the word and the wisdom of God. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with great joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them, saying, Greetings! They came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my disciples, and go to Galilee. There they will see me. These are the words of God for all people. Thanks be to God. There are two great powers in the world. The power of life and the power of death. 
I don't mean simply being alive and not being alive. It is much bigger than that. When I say the power of life, I would like for you to think about all that animates us and gives our lives meaning and purpose. The power of life includes creativity and generosity and curiosity and humor and love. The power of life was spoken into the universe by the source of creation at the moment of Genesis. The power of life is at work in our best human impulses, our desires to give and to serve and to belong. And as Christians, of course, we root this power of life in the God who was revealed to us in Jesus Christ. In contrast to all of that is the power of death. There is more to death than not breathing. When I say the power of death, I would like for you to think about all that stands in contrast to the power of life. The power of death is easy to recognize. It is all around us. Addictions are part of the power of death. Racism and sexism and homophobia are part of the power of death. Greed, fear, violence, environmental destruction, religious hypocrisy, and even that subtle desire to distance ourselves from people that we classify as not quite like us. And we all do that. That is the power of death in the world. And the power of death stands at odds with the power of life. What we celebrate this morning is that in the resurrection, the power of life made flesh in Jesus Christ defeated the power of death. One of the beautiful things about Christianity is that we don't all have to have the same understandings of Jesus in order to be saved by Jesus. We do not all have to have the same understandings of Jesus in order to be saved by Jesus. So this morning, whether or not you cognitively, cognitively believe that that resurrection happened, I invite you to trust that resurrection happens. Trust that life gets the last word. The resurrection, Jesus defeating the power of death is the foundation for our Christian hope. Without the resurrection, we could easily give in to the temptation of trusting what we see, which is that the power of death seems to be scoring a lot of points in this game. And that scares us. One way to deal with the death that we see all around us is to try to ignore it. To convince ourselves that our way of thinking is the right way and everyone who does not agree with us is stupid. To work incessantly to try to build a wall of security around our families. To buy more stuff, 
to numb that nagging suspicion that we ourselves can never be enough. To pin our hopes on what other people think of us. To assume that those in need somehow deserve their plight. To ignore anything that seems unpleasant or just doesn't fit into our reality. Of course, that only works until the power of death makes itself felt in our lives. Or worse yet, in the life of someone we love. A self-centered life that seeks to avoid or ignore the power of death is not going to work. The radical, surprising news of the gospel is that in order to find lasting joy, we have to face the power of death head on. And not just face it, but nonviolently resist it. This is the only real option. This is what we see in the life of Jesus. With all the power of the divine at his disposal, he did not seek an easy life for himself. Jesus waded right into the middle of the suffering, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, speaking truth to power, refusing to participate in the cycle of violence, touching people who'd been shoved aside, patiently teaching his thick-headed followers. Jesus is the model for what the Bible describes as a righteous life, a life lived in line with the power of life. Around here, we call it doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. What we know from the stories of the life of Jesus is that a righteous life is not an easy life. A righteous life is an abundant life. Paradoxically, doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God will bring us more joy than a self-centered life will. It is deeply meaningful, and sometimes it's exhausting. It's a life of vulnerability, of willing to let your heart be moved by the suffering of the world. Really doing justice will be inconvenient for us. We cannot love mercy from a distance. Walking humbly with God means being willing to change. The United Church of Christ's statement of faith says that God calls us to accept the joy and the cost of being Jesus' disciple. And that is why resurrection matters. If we are going to tackle the suffering of the world, we can only have the stamina to do it if we are confident that the power of death has already been defeated. The justice we do, the mercy we extend, is part of undoing the effects of the power of death in the world. 
It has been defeated, but there's a lot of knots to untie. The loving actions we take, they matter deeply. They are fueled by the power of life. The promise of resurrection energizes us. And so what we celebrate today is not simply that Jesus came back to life so we can go to heaven when we die. What we celebrate today is the victory of the power of life over the power of death. The power of death, which is active in all of the world's suffering and seeks to extinguish our lights and seems so strong to us. The power of death is nothing when faced with the power of life. The grip of death was broken as God forced open the fist of evil. All that evil seeks to do, God has already undone. In Christ and with Christ, we live in the power of life when we follow the pattern that Jesus set for us. We are resurrection people. Which is what we celebrate as we come to the table this morning. This table, which is big enough for the whole world, has many meanings to us. In a few moments, I will speak again the ancient words from 1 Corinthians, which ends with the reminder that whenever we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And today of all days, we might want to omit that part about remembering his death, but I think we shouldn't. If we don't remember his death, if we don't remember that the power of death did as much as it could possibly do to Jesus, we will not feel the impact of the resurrection. And so, beloved ones, let us meet Christ again here at this glorious table. Because as our ancestors in the faith have insisted for hundreds of years, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Where people of all genders, all ages, and all races, people with every type of body, come from the north and south, from the east and the west, and they gather here at Christ's table. Here at Zion United Church of Christ, we celebrate at an open table, which means every single person is welcome to eat and drink this morning, regardless of your spiritual background or your current beliefs. And yes, that includes children at their family's discretion. If you want to participate in this experience this morning, you are included. We also don't force anyone to participate. You're welcome to just stay in your seat and observe this morning. All are welcome, none are forced. We try to make sure that everyone can participate together. Gluten-free bread is darker than the regular bread, and it is marked. And in the liquid, the red liquid is wine, and the clear liquid is non-alcoholic grape juice. This morning, we'll come forward to receive communion. Julie and I will come to the front of each section, and row by row, you will come down your right-hand aisle. When you get to us, you can take a piece of bread and eat it immediately. Same with the cup. Leave the empty vessels in the basket. Or if you prefer, you can take the elements back to your seat. We really don't have a whole lot of rules about this. Either way, you return to your row by the other aisle, slide into your seat.
If you're unable or unwilling to get up this morning, Mike and Leela will gladly bring elements to you. You just need to lift your hand when the time comes so they know where to find you. Friends at home, you are welcome to partake as soon as I finish praying and know that you are all celebrating together. For everyone, we offer you those moments when you are not partaking as some time when you can simply rest and listen and reflect on the power of life. As always, we begin our celebration with a moment of confession, because the power of death holds sway over us all, and it drives us to do things that are out of line with the way of life, things that we really truly do not want to do, things that we regret. We spend a lot of emotional energy avoiding that regret and justifying ourselves, energy that could be much better spent on justice and mercy. And so confession is our opportunity for humility, in which we admit and let go of what we've been holding against ourselves, and we realize that God is not holding anything against us. So let's confess together this morning. The words are on the screen, and in your bulletin, I will get us started. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin, and we cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and follow in your ways to the glory of your name. And now I invite you to take a moment to silently reflect and offer your own confession in whatever way you see fit. Now, my friends, according to the proclamation of Jesus in the scripture and through the power of his righteous life, death, and resurrection, be assured that God hears our prayers and has already forgiven us. Forgive yourselves and forgive one another, because through Christ, God has forgiven us all. Thanks be to God. And now, please join me in the great thanksgiving. God be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to God. Let us give thanks to God most high. It is right to give God our thanks and praise. Source of all, you created a planet full of life, including we humans who are each and all created in your image. You taught our ancestors how to live in your world by giving them challenges as well as hope. You brought our forebears out of captivity in Egypt into fullness of life. You sent prophets to teach us, and most of all, you sent to us your child Jesus, the Word made flesh, who showed us through your loving example how you love us. You call us to follow in the path of Jesus, empowering us with your holy breath to carry your message of hope and justice to the world. And so we join with all creation to praise you saying, Holy, 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 God of love and majesty, 
The whole universe shouts your glory. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of our God. Hosanna in the highest. Here again, friends, these ancient words from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We remember that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you join your hearts with mine as I pray a prayer of blessing over these elements? God who is love, as you were broken and poured out for us, we acknowledge our brokenness and we offer ourselves ready to be poured out in service to you on behalf of all people. Send your Holy Spirit on all of these breads and on all of these cups, on each of us and on all of us. As we eat and drink together, rekindle in us a passion for doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with you. In this ritual, we declare that you are the Holy One who has conquered sin and death and calls us from death to life. Amen. Amen. Beloved people of God, this is the bread of life and the cup of salvation. If you need to be served in your seats, I invite you to raise your hands. Friends at home, you can partake whenever you're ready. And everyone else, you may come, for all things are ready.
Let us join together in this prayer of thanksgiving. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the gift of our Savior's presence in the simplicity and splendor of this holy meal. Unite us with all who are fed by Christ so that we may faithfully proclaim the good news of your love, making your universal church a rainbow of light in an uncertain world. Amen. Thanks be to God. Friends, I am so glad that you joined us this Easter Sunday morning, both in person and online. If you're new today, I would love to meet you in person after worship. There's a QR code in your bulletins, and for those of you at home, it's on your screen. That will take you to a page where you can share your information with me. I just want to reach out and say hello. We don't give your information to anyone else, or we, and we don't spam you. Make sure that you're following us on Facebook. Take a peek at the announcements in the bulletin to keep track of all that's happening. We have some important events coming up, and I want to highlight them quickly for you before we sing our final hymn. Thank you to those of you who sponsored the beautiful Easter flowers in honor or in memory of your loved ones today. After worship ends, I invite those of you who did so to take a flower home with you and perhaps share it with someone else who is not able to be here this morning and would enjoy it. Next week after worship, we have a congregational meeting. Those of you who are regular attenders should have received the annual reports in your email this past Monday. If you prefer a hard copy, there are a few on the back table. We're going to share some other plans and priorities with you for this year and allow you to ask any questions that you have. Everyone is welcome to attend that meeting. Intertwine, our collaborative youth group for middle and high school students, meets next Sunday evening at 6.30 at William Street United Methodist Church. Guys, if you're planning to attend, make sure that you RSVP to Pastor Kara or to Melissa. And finally, Easter is a season, not just a single day. And during the upcoming season of Easter, our worship will be focused on resisting the power of death the way Jesus taught us to in Matthew 25, by feeding the hungry, satisfying the thirsty, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, visiting the prisoners, and welcoming the strangers. Tomorrow night, our city council will be voting on a policy that dictates which flags and banners can be displayed in our city during the summer. As it currently stands, this will not include the pride flag even for one day during the pride festival. This is an issue of inclusion. And one of our missional commitments as a church is to show up when it counts. So if you would like to see a wider representation of what we celebrate in this city, and you'd like to be a supportive presence, you can go to the meeting on the second floor of City Hall tomorrow night at 7 p.m. You don't have to speak, but you can if you want to. If you have more questions about this, you can talk to Alex McHugh after worship today. Before we end our time together, looks, is Alex not here? You can talk to, what is he? where'd you go? Okay, anyway, you can talk to Alex if he's here, or you can talk to Lisa. I'm gonna nominate you for that right now, great. <laughs> Before we end our time together, would you rise in body or spirit for one more joyful Easter hymn? It is Jesus Christ is Risen Today, number 438 in your songbooks. <laughs> 